Well, I believe that the Holy Spirit is in this place to help us to understand the truths of the Word of God. You know, the Scripture declares to us that the carnal mind can't under understand the things of the Spirit. No, we have to have the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to understand the truths of God's Word. And that's why we pray. The, the message tonight, I've just got a real simple uh, title. It's Be a Leader. And this is uh, uh, our quarterly teaching on leadership. And if you didn't know that, and you're like, well, why am I here? Because every believer can be a leader to somebody. Because just to go ahead and get this out of the way, you know some things that some other people don't know. And if you are born again, child of God, then you can be a leader to somebody. Yet we're living in a, a, a generation where there's just a glaring need for leaders, for real leaders. And so this is a simple challenge to all of us. Be a leader. Jesus, the greatest leader of all time, he said, follow me. Matthew 4, 18 through 20 is one example of that. Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now I want you to know that's leadership. I mean, Jesus just says, follow me. They get up and they go follow. He had some real influence, didn't he? And, and you see this, you know, later Peter says to Jesus, he says, Lord, we've left all to follow you. I mean, it's amazing. These men were willing to just get up and leave their livelihood, leave everything behind and go and follow Jesus. But I just want to point out to you, remind you, I think most of you know, but I, I want to remind you that there were some who wouldn't follow Jesus. We had a message on a Sunday morning not that long ago called would-be followers. I mean, there were some who, well, they just had better things to do. You know, that, and here's what I want to say to you is that no matter how great of a leader you are, guess what? You're not going to reach everybody. There are some people that are not going to follow. They're not going to receive. And, and I'm saying that to you because sometimes we focus on the ones so much that... Um, that we didn't reach. And now I, I got to tell you that uh, pastors are prone that way sometime, you know. And we can focus on the one that left instead of the ones that are here. And I, you know what? We need to remember Jesus didn't reach everybody, so get over yourself, Amen. right? Amen. In the simplest of terms, leadership is leading others. To lead others requires that you have some measure of influence in their life. John Maxwell, successful author and speaker on leadership, says that leadership is influence. Charles Swindoll, pastor and author, says leadership is inspiring influence. But you need to know this. Everyone, everyone, everyone has some measure of influence. What is yours like? Let me just give you one little story for an example here. One mother has taken her son to school one day, little boy, and uh, as they're on the way, uh, after a few minutes, uh, 
the boy just is asking inquisitively, he says, Mom, where are all the idiots? Mom says, what are you talking about? And he says, well, when dad takes me to school, we usually see at least three or four idiot drivers on the way. <laughs> oh, you're leading. You have influence, <laughs> whether you know it or not. And sometimes whether you like it or not, we have influence. You know, you have influence with whether it's with your kids or your co-workers or your classmates or your family, your friends, your neighbors. I'm just telling you, you got influence to some degree. The question is, what direction is your influence taking people? Sometimes people talk about leaders being born. They say, oh, he's a natural born leader. And I, I remember that being said about a few young people years ago because they were good looking, they had an outgoing personality, a lot of charisma. But here's the thing, some of those people, they just ended up following the crowd. And then there were others that seemed like maybe they were just too quiet or too timid to be a leader, but they ended up being a strong leader really living for God and impacting the lives of other people. And here's all I'm trying to say to you is don't buy into the attitudes of the world about leadership. The last thing that we need in the body of Christ is more carnal leadership. We need people that understand that what we really want to do is lead like Jesus. We want to lead people in the right direction. And it's not about personality. I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit can do more than all the personality in the world. All you got's personality, that's just fluff and stuff. The Holy Spirit is the one that, that uses us and works through us if we really accomplish anything. I mean, Jesus says, apart from me, you can't do anything. So I just want you to understand. And, and here's, here's what I really want to get at. You see, some of you think that you, you don't have any influence because you're not one of those born leaders. You're just not the, you know, the bright, shiny bulb. That is a lie from the devil to keep you from using the influence that you do have. There's an old story about a, a tourist. He goes to this little village he visits and, you know, he's wanting to find out more about the history of the village. And so he asked this older gentleman, he says, were there, were there any uh, famous leaders born here? And the man says, no, just babies. <laughs> yeah. Leaders aren't born. They're made. And I believe that the Lord wants to make you a leader. And when it comes to being a leader, some people, they just buy into this worldly attitude that some's got it and some ain't. But the truth is, is that all of us have a measure of influence, and with it is a potential to lead. I want to remind you that many, many, many of the great leaders in the Scripture seemed like unlikely leaders. I mean, it's amazing the 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 people that God used. In the scripture, I mean, looking back, 
back, we know they were great leaders. But if you read their story and you see where they came from, they wouldn't have been our pick. And the point is, is that the Lord raises up unlikely leaders. See, you just, you just need to know that all of us have a potential to lead. See, you need to know you have a potential to lead. It's certainly true that some have a greater sphere of influence than others, but all of us have some measure of influence. So I want to make this clear. Your influence is the potential that you have to make a difference in the lives of other people. It's so important for every one of us to get that because too much of the time the potential of someone's influence is wasted because they don't have a title or they don't see themselves as a great leader. See, maybe you're never going to reach hundreds. Maybe you're never going to reach thousands. But let me ask you this. If you only make a difference in just a few people's eternity, does that matter? Oh, it matters to them. And you don't know what effect their life may have on other people's lives. But the point I'm trying to make you is, you see, there's this deception that since, since I don't have a big sphere of influence, I'm not a leader. Pastor Mark, he's not talking to me. This isn't about me. Yes, it is about you. You see, that is such a lie from the devil to get people to not use the influence that they have to lead other people, to help others in their walk with the Lord. Next, we need to understand that in the kingdom, our influence can grow if we're a good steward of the influence that we have. Now, when you talk about stewardship, most people just think of money. I mean, you know, a lot of churches have these stewardship campaigns. I mean, I'm not knocking it. We've never done one, but I'm just saying that's what most people think of. When you say stewardship, they're like, yeah, that's about the money. I want you to know that in the kingdom, there are things that are way more important than money. Now, I'm not saying that money doesn't matter. I mean, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I get all of that. But I'm just telling you that when you talk about stewardship, there are some things that are more valuable than money. Things that we are to be good stewards of. So 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 says this, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Now he's talking about here being stewards of the mysteries of God and he says it's required that we're faithful. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Wow, that just sounds really deep, doesn't it? The mysteries of God. Let me just tell you this though that some of the mysteries in Paul's day to us are just simple truths of the gospel. I mean, it was a mystery that was revealed to them. 
But to us, we understand and we know. And I'm not saying there's not some mysteries and deep things of God. Of course there are. But I want you to understand this, that the truths that you know as a born-again child of God are exactly what a lot of people out there need. And you need to be a good steward of what you know. It's like, well, I don't know 400 verses and I hadn't been to Bible college and seminary and all that. You need to be a good steward of the truth that you know. And you, you do that by sharing it, by using your influence to help other people. You see, you've got truth that you've got to be a good steward of. And you also have influence that you need to be a good steward of. And the two together make a powerful combination that God can use to change somebody else's life. See, you know, most people aren't ready. I mean, I'm talking about people out there, you know, that don't really know the Lord. Maybe maybe they call themselves a Christian or not. Maybe, maybe they used to go to church. I'm just telling you, most people out there, they're not ready for the deep things of God. They just need the simple truths that you know. Realize that you are a steward of those things. And in a very real sense, that truth has been entrusted to you. That influence has been entrusted to you. And we got to be faithful with it. It says, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Then in the parable of the talents, Jesus talks about servants who used what they were entrusted with, and then he calls them good and faithful servants. They just used what they had, and he calls them good and faithful servants. He also talks about the one that did nothing, and he calls them a wicked, lazy servant. And again, you see how important it is that we're a good steward of what we do have. Now, in that particular parable, Jesus talks about one receiving five talents, one receiving two, and one receiving one. And you see, sometimes when somebody feels like that they didn't have as much to start with, you know, I don't have all those gifts, and I don't have that opportunity that so-and-so has... They think they don't need to do anything with it. We'll leave that to the five-talent guy. I just want you to know that the principles of the kingdom are real and true. Jesus says, he that is faithful and little will be trusted with much. And so if you just have a little, we'll be faithful in it. You use what God has given you. Be a faithful steward. I just give you a little example. This is not a mega church, but it's a great church. And I want you to understand, this is not where I started. I started with the four and five-year-olds and the junior high and preaching in nursing homes and on and on the story goes. And the reason I'm telling you this is just to tell you that if God can increase this old country boy, he can increase your influence and he can use you in greater and greater measure. We just got to be faithful with the opportunities and the influence 
and the truth that God has given to us. But all of us need to know that the Lord can use us to make a difference in somebody else's life. But to be a leader, you just have to lead. I mean, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking to this large group of people, a multitude. And it's not just for a few select people. It's in this multitude. I'm, I'm sure there's all kinds of people. I mean, some of I'm sure there were some who were smart. It's just like in this room. There's some who are smart and some not as much. No, for real though. Can you imagine? He's got this multitude of people. There had to be some that were sharp. You know what I'm saying? And some wasn't so sharp. And then there had to be some that maybe had money and some that didn't have money. And then there were some that were real religious and some that weren't and some that were really good people and some maybe weren't so great. All kinds of people. That's all I'm trying to say to you. Some knew the scripture. Some didn't. But the point is, what he said was for all of them, and it's for all of us. It's not just for certain ones. Matthew 5.13, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. See, everybody likes to say the salt of the earth, but most people don't like that second part. This is one of those hard sayings of Jesus that people just like to leave out. But we'll start with this. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. This is what you are. Salt makes a difference. You can't lead if you're the same. I mean, if you're just one of the crowd, if you're just like everybody else, you know, you got to be willing to be different. Jesus said if it loses its flavor, it's not good for anything. If salt loses its flavor, you see, it doesn't make a difference. It's not good for anything. Now, I want to tell you that what makes us different, it's our relationship with God. It is that we are spiritual people. And by spiritual, I don't just mean, you know, we go to church and we don't do this and we don't do that. I mean that we are close to God, that we are spiritual people because we have a relationship with Him. I just want to tell you this. Listen, halfway Christians don't influence others like they could. I mean, not the right way. You know what I'm trying to say? They end up being influenced by everybody else. So if you want to influence your family, your friends, your coworkers, your children, your classmates, you've got to start by being salt, by having a real relationship with the Lord where you pray and you read your Bible and you, you go to worship and you, you know, you get involved in the work of the ministry that you're the real deal. You can't lead if you're not the real deal. You've lost your saltiness, your flavor. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to read what he said. He said, it's then good for nothing 
but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, don't misunderstand. This is not literal. No, Jesus isn't talking about trampling anybody. But he's just saying it, that's, that kind of salt isn't, any good, isn't good for anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. We can't lose our saltiness. We've got to be real Christians with a real relationship with God, spiritual people. Why do people put salt on food? Makes it better. They tell me I got to cut it out. It's awful. Salt enhances the flavor of your food. It makes it better. And I want to tell you that our influence on the lives of those around us should be a good influence. If we want to lead people, then they should be better off because we cross their paths. Now listen, see, some people got this idea about being a, a spiritual type leader that, you know, they want to go around and blast everybody and a lot of people in their wake are just hurt. And angry. No, if we're really being the right kind of influence, we leave people better off. And that doesn't mean, as I said earlier, that doesn't mean everybody receives you and everybody accepts what you say. But I'm just telling you that we need to have in mind that, that salt makes the food better and we're supposed to make it better in this world. Nobody wants to follow somebody, be around somebody that puts them down and discourages them. We want to be a leader. We just, we just got to help people. I know a lot of the time when we talk about this verse, um, the salt, you know, people get into all these teachings and I confess I've done it before. We talk about how it prevents decay and how it can be a healing, you know, and blah, blah, blah. All I know is the one thing that Jesus said is it's about the flavor. So I'm going to stick with that tonight. He said, if it loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. It doesn't make a difference anymore. We're here to make a difference. You can't make a difference if you're not different. I'm not talking about being kooky. I'm talking about being a spiritual person. Too many Christians are just trying to be so much like the world. I say even pastors, they're trying to, you know, using uh, carnal humor and even saying vulgar things from the pulpit. I got to tell you, I can't stand that. Because when somebody stands in the pulpit, that's a holy place. If any man speak, let him speak as of the oracle of God. That's what the Bible says. It's in a place where you come up to just try to entertain some people. And, you know, I'm just going to try to relate and talk like they do. Listen, we need to understand that even out in this world, we represent. And it, this, listen, coarse joking and all. The Bible says that we're not supposed to have any part of that. And all I'm saying to you is that we need to, we need to be salt, to truly be different. And not, not just trying to be, you know, caustic and rub people the wrong way, but that we're living the life for real. And they see that we're different. We can't, you can't talk like they talk and, you know, tell dirty jokes. And, you know, and then they say, well, you know, just have a drink. You know, what's the big deal? Just have a drink. I'm talking about even Christians. 
You know what those Christians, you know what the lost need? They need somebody who's really close to Jesus that will stand up and be willing to be different. Even when the others call you a goody goody and they, even when they say, oh, you think you're so spiritual. You know what that is? That's just the enemy, the accuser of the brethren. That's just them trying to justify themselves and make themselves feel better. But I want to tell you something. When you really live the way you're supposed to, the Holy Spirit brings conviction on those people. And when you leave, I want to tell you something. Most of them respect you. Here's what I do know. That some loved Jesus and some hated him. But Jesus never, ever, never, ever participated in any kind of carnal, untoward behavior or conversation. Never, ever. But some Christians, they just kind of lose all their saltiness when they're around unspiritual people. Be one of those people that when you're around other people, you're saying weird things like, hey, let's pray about that. Did you know that the scripture says? You know, the Lord really helped me. Yeah, we talk about the Lord. I mean, we, we share our story. We share the testimonies and things that God has done in our life. You see, and I just want to tell you that when you're that way, it helps those people. You're influencing. You're leading. And some of them, that's what they need to help them go the right direction. There's so many that seem to have lost their saltiness, lost people, lukewarm Christians. I'm telling you, they all need somebody to tell them about the hope that we have. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Our speech should always be with grace, Seasoned with salt. I want you to get this now. It's grace seasoned with salt. Because I've met some real religious people who thought it was just supposed to be salt. You ever eat a teaspoon of salt? I have to confess I like it that good. But I just want to tell you, that's not how we minister the world and how we reach the world. You can't just shove them a teaspoon of salt. No, it's grace seasoned with salt. You know, one time we had some people over and, uh, you know, if you know me, you know that I always got to get a good deal and I got a good deal on some steaks and it was a good deal, but they weren't very good. And uh, they were tough, and I was trying to make them better, and I, I oversalted them. 
over-seasoned them, and uh, it didn't help. It just made it worse. But I, I just want you to understand that there's no such thing as too spiritual. But some people just get too religious. And, and what I mean by that is, is they just want to dump salt on other people. I mean, they tell them everything they're doing wrong and quote 14 Bible verses to them and act like they're real spiritual as they send this person off the wrong direction, rolling their eyes, not wanting anything to do with you or Jesus. We got to lead people from where they are. You see, let me explain it this way. You don't teach calculus to first graders. That's just dumb. And yet some believers, they try to talk to unbelievers or backslidden Christians like they should know everything I know. I've been walking with the Lord for 40-something years. You ought to know everything I know. You got you to gotta lead them from where they are. Not... I'm not talking about you being in compromise. I'm talking about when you minister to them, when you share with them, you've got to realize they don't know what you know. I'm going to say it one more time. If you're going to teach math to a first grader, you start with, you know, two plus two. You don't start with calculus. Let me give you an example. Jesus started talking to the woman at the well and first he just asked her for a drink. Then he talks to her about living water that will quench her thirst. Then he talks to her about her personal life and how she had five husbands and she's living with a man that's not her husband. But he didn't condemn her. He showed her the thirst in her soul. And he led her, you see, from where she was. And I just want to tell you, if you were brought up in church, by the time you were 10... You knew more about God than most of the people in this world. They just need to realize where they're at. I mean, they know a whole lot of junk, but they don't know what you know. And so you got to lead them from where you are or from where they are. Next, you can't influence people that you're never around. Salt doesn't do any good as long as it's just in the, in the shaker, Right? I mean, you got to get it out and put it on the food. makes it taste better. Well, listen, Jesus was always around sinners, all kinds of sinners. I mean, thieves like Zacchaeus and demon-possessed people like Mary Magdalene and religious sinners like Simon the Pharisee. I mean, he was around all kinds of sinners. Everybody he was around was a sinner. That's right. And he was around them. And there's lots of backslidden Christians, lukewarm. I'm telling you, they need the influence of a strong Christian. But there's also a lot of lost people that don't know what we know. And we got to tell them. You know, it's really difficult to have any influence on people that you are never around. we got to get out of our little world sometimes, our little clique, you know, our little religious group sometimes, and we got to be willing to be around some people to influence them. And people need to see that we're real. 
It's not just something, you know, that we talk about, but they need to see up close and personal that we're real. Just remember this. This is really important. Jesus was always the influencer. They talk about influencers nowadays. <laughs> Jesus is the master influencer. He was never the influenced. And when you are around backslidden, lukewarm Christians, lost people, unbelievers, you have to always be the influencer. If you're being influenced, you are heading the wrong direction. You are helping them go the wrong direction because you're supposed to be the Christian and look at you. You can't be influenced. You have to always be the influencer. If you can't do that, get out. You get away from those people. If you can't be the influencer with those people, don't be hanging out with those people. Because I want to tell you something. Jesus was always the influencer. Be a leader. You can tell people what's right. And they may not listen, but you can also show them by the way you live. And they will see. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, he goes on, he says, You are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And I just got to say something about personality here again. Uh, being the light of the world doesn't mean you have a bubbly personality. I mean, that just, a bubbly personality don't even look good on some people. It says... Let your light so shine that they may see your good works. It's about how you live. It's about the things that you do. It's, it's not about a personality. But if you're a true believer, I want to tell you, you are the light of the world. You know what light does? It shows the way. You know, like the scripture says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're the light of the world. We show people the way. And to influence others, I'm telling you, you got to show them the way. You see, you've got to lead the way for them. You can't lead them where you're not going. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got to be, you got to be walking the walk yourself. But they should be able to look at our lives and know the right way to go. You can tell them, but sometimes they just got to see it lived out. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Realize that your life is on display. Now, you know, if you're a pastor, you know, they say things like, well, you get to live in the fishbowl. I mean, everybody's watching you. Well, that may be true, but I want to tell you that the people that you can influence, that you have influence on, whether it's your kids, your coworkers, what they're they're watching you. What kind of influence are you gonna have? You can't be hidden. Realize your life's on display. They see the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
you know what, we just need to be transparent about our faith and about our relationship with the Lord. But to some degree, I want you to understand that we also need to be transparent about our struggles. I mean, sometimes Christians like to pretend like they have it all together. I got some news for you. They know you don't. Now, I'm not telling you to air your dirty laundry out for the whole world, but I'm just telling you that sometimes we need to allow the world to see that we have problems, that we do struggle, that we do fall and we do fail, but we have a God that's always with us and helps us get through and he turns it around and shows us grace and mercy. See, that's the God they need. They don't need the one where we pretend like we're perfect. They need the God of grace and mercy. They need to see all of that. You see, they need to see how good our God is. And they need to see us living it out in our life to see our good works. Don't put it under a basket, he says. Don't hide your relationship with Jesus. Don't hide your walk with the Lord. Don't hide the fact that you love to go to church. You Wednesday night fanatics lead. Be a leader. Walk in love. Walk in faith. The end result should be that people are drawn to the Lord, that somehow our influence helps bring people closer to Him. Be a leader. Stand with me. We're going to pray.